Amen. And let's take our Bibles tonight and uh, just ask your continued prayers. Uh, was not able to um, confirm things with the insurance company this past week. Just too many other things uh, happening. But uh, just ask your continued prayer and hopefully within the next week or so we'll have our uh, church constitution and bylaws printed and then we'll go over those things and, and have a week a period of two weeks before we vote. And then, as many people have uh, voiced opinions and, and said, you know, that part in there that we went over with about membership and speaking at business meetings, one of the reasons that has not uh, been able to uh, really be enforced, and we have updated that, is because um, we've not just not been following that exactly the way we should. That's one of the reasons we're revising it, getting it done, and then uh, we should be able to really uh, start working along those lines. But uh, let's look at the book of Jonah, and we might call this uh, really uh, the book of Jonah in the key of R, and I know there's no R key, but uh, just have... Uh, the outline here, basically, and uh, let's just start. It says, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. Now we know that Jonah is most famous for his spending the time with the whale uh, that's what most people know. But Jonah was a prophet. The prophet's main works. In fact, Jonah is uh, one of the few prophets that we see that actually had physical contact with people other than the Jewish people. And so the thing I want to start with here, and it's a point that we often miss as we look through the book of Jonah... Four chapters long, you can read it in just a few minutes, and it's easy just to zip right through and miss some things. Uh, I call the first two verses God's redirect. Just looking for our words here. Uh, he changed Jonah's focus. Jonah was focused on the children of Israel. Of course, he was in the ten northern tribes. They had no good kings. His burden was for the repentance and the reclaiming of his own people, Israel. And instead, God sends him to Nineveh. Now, does anybody know the significance of going to Nineveh? Nineveh was the capital of the Assyrian Empire. Who was it that was going to come and dispossess the ten northern tribes of Israel from their land, it was going to be the king of Assyria. The prophecies were there that the trouble that Assyria was going to come. Uh, Jonah was not an ignorant man. He knew what was going on. And uh, I believe one of the reasons why Jonah was so resistant to the will of God, why he was rebellious, in fact, was because he did not want to be a blessing to the people that God was going to use to judge his own people. Is it wrong 
to want your people, is it wrong for us as we sit here to want America to repent? Is that wrong for us? No, it is absolutely not wrong for us to want our people, our nation to repent and turn to God. How many of you have prayed that God would save Saddam Hussein while he was still alive? He was an enemy of this nation. How many of us thought to or think to pray for the terrorists who want to destroy this nation that they would be saved? How many of you are upset with some of the things our current president and administration are doing? My hand's up. I'm upset. Uh, When's the last time we prayed for them to be saved? If God sent you to work with the Wahhabis in Saudi Arabia, how many of you would be happy about that calling? This was Jonah's redirection. So before you get too upset about Jonah, you've got to realize something. He was being sent by God to be a blessing to the enemies of his own people. He knew that if they did not find repentance and if they did not come to God, and by the way, the Assyrians were some of the most vile, merciless, hateful people that lived on the face of the earth. They had a program that when they subjugated an area, when they conquered a new territory, they just packed up everybody and moved them out. And if you were a little resistant in leaving your home and leaving your lands, um, one of their many methods was they would take, uh, for lack, uh, trying to be as gentle as I can, large fish hooks and literally hook you and drag you out of your land. Uh, these were, this was their kind of people. They showed no mercy, no concern, no care for anything except their own agenda their own desire, their own betterment. And Jonah was now being told by God to go to Nineveh to stop preaching to his own people where his burden was and go and preach to the enemies of his people. Now, the next thing we have is Jonah's rebellion. Jonah said, I'm not going to do it. Now, you better be careful. When you say, I'm not going to do it to God. Amen? And I believe that Jonah, as he rebelled against God, it says that he rose up to flee unto Tarshish. He was heading the opposite direction. And you'll notice that when you stop being obedient to God's word. Now, how many of you found something in God's word that was just repugnant to you, something you didn't want to do, something you just felt that you couldn't give up to serve the Lord, something you felt that you shouldn't do. Anybody ever been there? Said, no, not me. I love God and I've just always been so obedient. We've all been there at one point or another where the Holy Spirit has made us struggle with something 
in the Word of God. You know what the first thing our temptation is? Well, I just won't go back to church and listen to that preacher anymore. I just won't go back. Uh, I'll, I'll do it my own way. Well, that's what Jonah did. But God sent a storm. And where was Jonah? He was asleep. And, and just a, an aside from the story that is in the book, when you are not in obedience to God's word, you don't care about what you do and the harm you bring to other people. You see, Jonah was in jeopardy along with the other men that were in the boat. And what was Jonah doing? Why do we... you ever just been tired and can't get your rest? And you lay down to rest and you can't... Now, sometimes the reason why we just sleep and sleep and never do anything is because we're really upset with life and we can't get done what we want to do so we just go to sleep and try to ignore it. That's what Jonah was doing. If you've ever been on a little boat that's really been in the waves, you don't sleep. I mean, that thing's going up and down. And on the Mediterranean... They say the storms, because it's such a shallow sea, that the storms can really do, uh, uh, really stir that uh, ocean up to the point to where the waves themselves will break ships. Um, years ago, we had an ore ship on the Great Lakes, which are very similar, not as big as the Mediterranean, but very shallow. And one of the captains found himself in the shallows, in, in very shallow water. And rather than put into his log that he had steered it in the wrong direction and had to stop and back up, he decided to try to go through it. And in the middle of those shallows, a storm came up and literally lifted the boat up on both ends and the middle fell out. And that ship just disappeared that fast. Listen, Jonah was not concerned about the danger he was putting other people's lives in. And when we step out of God's will, when we rebel against God, you can't help but put other people's lives in danger. And that's where Jonah was. And Jonah was resistant in his rebellion. He realized that the storm was sent. And when he was woke up and carried up onto the deck and they cast the lots. And of course, Jonah was the one that came up with the black stone. Everybody knew. And now Jonah was trying to explain why he was disobeying God. And we look at this and we say, what in the world was wrong with Jonah? But see, once you start down the road of rebellion, it's hard to turn around, even as a Christian. It gets harder to turn the farther you go. And Jonah came up with a bright idea. He said, listen, we'll solve this problem. I'll just commit suicide. Literally. He said, throw me into the water. I'll drown. That'll be the end of it. God doesn't get me to go to Nineveh. And my problem is solved. 
right? We know what happened next now, don't we? Jonah was getting all ready. Well, here I come, God. Tough luck on your call. Tough luck on that redirection in my life. Uh, I'm going to show you. I'm not going to Nineveh. And all of a sudden, he feels something large, dark, and slimy as he is sinking down into the water. And it says a great fish swallowed him. Now, I, if there's anybody I feel sorry for in this whole story, it's the fish. I, I really do. Could you imagine what that undigestible, bitter, old, rebellious prophet felt like in that poor fish's stomach? I mean, it was a bad meal he didn't get rid of for three days. By the way... What did Jonah do in the whale of the in the whale of the belly, right? In the belly of the whale. He continued resisting God's redirection in his life, didn't he? Now most of us have never and fortunately never been put into a situation where you are enclosed in darkness. Uh, they did not have wristwatches in those days. And unless it was waterproof to a great depth, your watch wouldn't have worked anyway. It would have soon quit. Have you ever been in a situation where you became time disoriented? Most of us have not. Because that is literally borderline insanity. When you lose your ability to know what day it is and, and to tell time, the human mind begins to stop working. Uh, I've used this illustration. It's the best one I have of this kind of thing happening. There were three servicemen on Hawaii Islands during uh, World War II, and they decided to go exploring some of the lava caves there. And uh, uh, there was a well-known uh, place where you could slip in and... and uh, and it was called the throne room, and one of the men knew about it, and so they all went in there, thought that was pretty cool, and one of them said, well, let's go a little further. And they went a little further. And as they were walking, they became disoriented, and they didn't exit the room where they came in. And so they entered another cave complex. And again, they got turned around. And it didn't take them very long to figure out they were lost in the caves. And as they were walking, one of the men stepped over the edge of an abyss and began to feel there was nothing and shouted. The guy behind him grabbed him, but down into the bottomless pit that he almost fell went their only flashlight. They were now in total darkness except for just a few matches, which were soon burned out. Make a long story short, after about three hours of being in the cave, in total darkness, they were looking and they saw a little tiny dot of light. And they found a lava cone that was not hot anymore. And they were able to climb out onto the side of the mountain. They had been gone about three hours. 
But in their mind, they had stopped three times already to rest and to spend the night in the cave. Do you get what I'm saying here? To them, three hours was like three entire days and nights because they lost their time orientation. Could you imagine what it would have been if they had been in that cave for three hour, three days instead of three hours? Their friends had not even put them down as missing yet. And yet when they came out, they signaled to another group that they could see on a distant thing and were picked up and taken back. And it took them hours to figure out that they had only been in there a few hours rather than several days. So I want you to think about something with Jonah here before we move on. That this three days and three nights without any ability to tell time and any ability to understand the passage of time would have been about as close to an eternity as the human mind could comprehend. Would you agree with me on that? I mean, what we're trying to do is think about what Jonah went through here for a minute because there was a reason for it. It took that long for Jonah to repent. When we resist God's will, God is willing to invest whatever time is necessary to get us back. Amen? And the thing that never fails to amaze me was, look at chapter 1, verse 17. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord. So we have God's redirect, Jonah's rebellion. Chapter 2, we come up to Jonah's repentance. And let's just take a moment and read chapter 2. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly, and said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me. Out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardest my voice. I think that'd be a pretty good description of what Jonah went through three days and three nights with the acid and the fish's digestive juices burning his skin. The, we'll read later that the fish had gone into the depths of the sea. Now, what happens to fish when they dive? All the pressure of that water compresses. It would have been like having your entire body in a blood pressure cuff. Could you imagine what kind of pain, physical pain, Jonah went through as the water began to press in upon him through the sides of that fish? I mean... God had a way of making Jonah, if you'll stop and think about this, I mean, there wasn't much that Jonah didn't experience by the way of pain in these three days and three nights. It's amazing that it took that long for Jonah to repent. But it did. Then Jonah, look what it says, For thou hast cast me into the deep in the midst of the seas. The floods compassed me about. All thy billows and thy waves passed over me. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight, yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. 
Jonah said, I'm still alive. I have not passed from life unto death like I thought. God has put me somewhere where I am still alive. I'm still feeling pain, but I'm not in heaven and I'm not in hell. I am stuck in between. Now, people have made all kinds of stories about being stuck between heaven and hell, stuck somehow in a half-life, half... That doesn't happen. Jonah was very much alive. But after three days and three nights, there was no way he could understand how long he had endured this suffering. But he said, I have no other place to look. I'm going to look toward thy holy temple The waters compassed me about even to the soul and the depth closed round about me. The weeds were wrapped about my head. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. Now sometimes that's what it takes to solve our rebellion against God. Amen? We've got to get to the end of ourself. He said, My soul fainted in me. I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came unto thee, into thy holy temple. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. Then... God said, okay, I'm going to give you an opportunity God seldom gives. Up came Jonah, landed on the shore. Now, we don't know where Jonah landed on the shore. And I'm just going to offer a venture here that it was probably pretty close to where he started for his trip to Nineveh. That's that's what I believe. That God has a way of bringing you back, but you don't always end up where you started. We don't know. He may have been farther away. We we just don't know. But it's interesting. God has only spoken for two verses uh, so far in the book of Jonah. Uh, Actually, only one. Verse 1 of chapter 1 tells us that the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Verse 2 told him to arise and go to Nineveh. Chapter 2 and verse 10, the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. Verse three, chapter 3, verse 1, And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go unto Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. Verse 3, now we see that Jonah was ready. He was ready to go to Nineveh. No matter what God said, he didn't want to repeat what had happened in chapter 1. You know, that's what repentance really does. If you want to know whether your repentance is real or not, if your repentance makes you ready to obey, then it was real. If your repentance just makes you ready to head in a different direction away from God, then it's not real repentance, is it? Jonah's repentance was real. 
Jonah headed to Nineveh. And here's all we have about what Jonah did. And Jonah arise and went unto Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days' journey. And Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey. And he cried and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Now, do you hear, repent and believe on the love of God in Jonah's message? Jonah's message simply said, repent in 40 days. Well, actually, he he didn't even say repent. It says, yet 40 days in Nineveh shall shall be overthrown. That's all Jonah said. He says, you guys got 40 days left to live. Do you think Jonah had love when he preached that message? Do you think Jonah loved the people of Nineveh any more than he did in chapter 1? You know, one of the things we got to learn about the book of Jonah is God will use anyone to get his work done. Amen? One of my kids used to sing, there, there was a little children's song, I don't want to be a Jonah and be swallowed by a fish, but they didn't hear it quite right. And they were going, I don't want to be a donut. And be swallowed by a fish. And, uh, but poor Jonah entered in. His preaching was not with love. His preaching was not with, with a zeal for anything good to happen to the people of Nineveh, as, as will be revealed in a few moments. But let me tell you something. Jonah was ready to go to Nineveh, and he was ready to say the words that God had given him because God had led Jonah to repentance. Now we see Nineveh repent. It says, The word came unto the king. Well, let's just read verse 5. So the people of Nineveh believed who? Did they believe Jonah? Nope, but they did believe God. Amen. And proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them even unto the least of them. The king led the people. Look at verse 9. Who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger that we perish not? Jonah probably led in the greatest revival of his day. There was no time in the nation of Israel, the ten northern tribes, when anyone but a small handful of people I mean, under Ahab, we killed the 800 prophets of Baal, 400 that sat at the table and 400 that were in the groves. And God sent rain on the earth. But here was the city of Nineveh. We're going to find out it was a huge, huge city. And God brought repentance to the whole city. That's an amazing story. And it tells us in chapter 3, verse 10, that when Nineveh repented, who else repented? God did. Look at God's repentance. You see, God doesn't need to repent, but God does change his mind. Amen? He had sent a message that he was going to destroy Nineveh. 
And when God saw Nineveh's repentance and God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, and God repented of the evil that he had said that he would do unto them, and he did it not. It's just that simple. God changed his mind just as we need to change our minds. Amen? We repent of our sin. God's not repenting of his sin. He's saying, I'm not going to do this judgment. God always repents toward mercy. Amen? But God will judge if we demand him to do so. Which he's going to do to Jonah. He's not finished with Jonah yet. We see Jonah's, if you want another R, Jonah's repugnance. He was angry. It made him sick to see those Ninevites turn to his God. You know why? Because his own people wouldn't turn to the God of the Bible. And he knew that they were going to inherit a blessing while his own people were bringing God's judgment upon them. So what did Jonah do? He hated the people that repented. Does that make any sense at all? No. But that's what happens when we rebel against God's will. If there's something that we can learn from the book of Jonah... See, we have the tendency to believe that Jonah rebelled against God's word. Jonah repented of his rebellion and everything was fine from there on out. No, Jonah never got over his rebellion against God's word. Better be careful. God may put you back on the track and God may use you to do things for him. But when we get off track, you may never get all the way back on again. That's the story of Jonah. Jonah was still not right with God. And God had one more little thing for him. Jonah asked God, he, look at verse 1 of chapter 4, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly and he was very angry. And he told God, I knew you're a gracious God. I knew you'd forgive him. That's why I said, don't send me. He said, now God, kill me. You didn't kill me in the fish, but kill me now. God said, no, I'm not done. I'm a God of life, not of death. Amen. And we just paraphrase those first three verses. Then said the Lord, dost thou well to be angry? And Joseph went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city and there made him a booth and sat under it in the shadow till he might see what would become of the city. Jonah was still praying for that 40 days. Boy, I can't wait 40 days. Maybe it'll still happen. Now God grew a gourd up in the night. And he had great big green leaves in the morning to sit under the shadow of the sun. But no sooner did he enjoy the shade than God prepared a worm to gnaw a little hole in the gourd and all the sap ran out and the leaves withered up. Now, most of us wouldn't understand that because we think 
that August in New York City is about as hot as it gets. Let me tell you, it's nothing. The temperatures in this desert, how many of you remember the story of our soldiers in Iraq? 130 degrees. In full body armor, helmets, 65 to 80 pounds of equipment on their back, marching through the desert in 130 degrees. That's why we need to pray for them soldiers. I mean, Iraq, Nineveh is in modern-day Iraq. Uh, Today it's called Mosul. And some of you may even remember this several years ago. I think it was back um, 2002 or 3. There was a preacher from Rhode Island and uh, several other pastors that I know. They were over there with Brother Lewis from our missions conference. And... uh, Four of the preachers that were with him decided to go see Mosul, the ruins of Nineveh here. And on their way there, their car was attacked, sprayed with bullets. Uh, Two of them were wounded and one preacher was was killed. And uh, that was a tragic event. But here we have Jonah sitting there. And in verse 9, and I can't explain this to you, I wish I could. And God said to Jonah, dost thou well to be angry for the gourd? And he said, I do well to be angry even unto death. He says, God, I'm angry enough that you should kill me over this thing. I want to die. Now, does that make sense to anybody here? It doesn't to me. I I don't understand that. Except, except when we step off that road of obedience to God, it's hard to get back on. That's why it's important, old teenager, to keep your life right in your younger years. That's why it's important to surrender now when you're able to surrender. Because there'll come a time when you won't care. You can walk out. Jonah, there, there was, after Jonah had been in the whale's belly for three days, he said, my soul fainted in me. I cried unto the Lord. I had no place to go. Don't you think that Jonah, after all of that, would have said, God, whatever you want, I'm going to surrender my will to yours. Don't you think he would have said that? And what do we find him doing here? Resisting God's will just as much as he was way back in chapter 1. Now Jonah was a stubborn, stubborn man. And God ends with a question. He said, and should I not spare Nineveh, that great city, wherein are more than six score, that's 60,000 persons that cannot discern between their right hand and their left and also much cattle. Now, the best we can understand, people want to make all kinds of things here. There were 60,000 little children in the city of Nineveh. 
That's what I believe it means when they cannot discern between their right hand and their left. Now, I know there's some adults here. Uh, I often find myself in that number uh, where, okay, what's my right hand what's my left? I want you to make a right. No, make the other right. Um, Anybody else have that problem? Just a little dyslexic there, can't get things right and left. That's not what God was talking about. He was talking about little children that aren't old enough to understand the difference between their right hand and their left hand. If there were 60,000 little children in the city of Nineveh who had not gotten old enough to make a decision to serve Christ or not, had not been able to even tell their right hand from their left, was not God being merciful to the city of Nineveh? Amen? And by the way, if someone wants to argue with you about what do we do about the aborigines that have never heard the gospel, read them the book of Jonah. Say God cared about the children in the city of Nineveh. He cared about all those other people groups. We just don't have the information that we need to know what God did or didn't do. You don't have it. I don't have it. So we'll just take what we don't know and trust the character of God. Amen? If God cared about the children of Nineveh, I think he cares about people everywhere. And so I'll trust the character of God. And so as we look here, God ends this book, and there's no evidence that Jonah ever got right with God. There's no evidence that Jonah ever turned around. But there is a truth that God never turned his direction. It was always toward mercy and salvation of the lost. And one of the questions I ask myself every time I read the book of Jonah, if God used Jonah, can't he use me? Amen? Well, if he could use Jonah, he can use you. And so what should we do? Well, don't get out of the way tonight. Don't get out of the way tomorrow. Stay where God wants you to stay. You know what? You don't have to feel good about everything God says in his word. God never commanded you to feel good about it. He just commanded you to do it. Amen? And feelings are sometimes very disobedient little things. They're like little children. You don't run them, they're going to run you. How many times have you had to tell your feelings, if you're going to live a normal, sane life, how many times have you had to just look in the mirror and say, shut up, leave me alone, so I can live life today? I mean, that's just part of living, is it not? And, and Jonah illustrates that point for us. And if we'll just lit, uh, go to what we understand about life and what we experience and say, just leave me alone, let me be obedient to God's word, we won't find ourselves a ridiculous, bitter, old prophet that for all practical purposes was very young at the end of the book of Jonah. What we need to do is just stay in the way today. 
Amen. And when we don't want to do what God says, we do it anyway. Because we don't want to end up like Jonah did. You get out of the way, sometimes it's awful hard to get back. And sometimes when you go as far as Jonah did, you never do get back. But God will still use you in spite of you. And of course, when's the last time he used you because of you? Never. So let's serve God God's way. Amen? Just story of Jonah and the key of R. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the story of Jonah in the Bible. We thank you for the things that it teaches us. And Lord, we ask that you would take this story and burn it deep within our hearts and in our souls that we might repent of our ideas and our thoughts and submit our wills to you. Lord, we pray that you would not have to do extraordinary things in our lives to get ordinary obedience to your word. Help us, Lord. In your name we pray. And before we finish that prayer, we'll just give you a moment. If you'd like to slip out of your seat or, or just pray at your, where you are. And then we'll get into our prayer time tonight.